Hey, Rob, what do you think of our funky new football in Berkshire branding? They're great, Tom. Who's made them? They've been created by friend of FIB, Ellis Woods, who runs his own creative agency, Flair Media. He's heavily involved in grassroots football and kindly sponsors this very podcast. That's great. What else do they do? Well, it's funny you should say that, Rob. Ellis offers affordable digital marketing, digital and print branding like logos, banners, flyers and business cards, as well as website content creation and management. Go and have a look at flaremedia.online and tell Ellis we sent you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Berkshire Football Stories podcast with me, Tom Canning, and... Me, Rob Davis. Uh, we are running our pub, but not in a pub chats. And this week we have our first football manager, and it's, uh, it's none other than Vanarama National League South Hungerford Town manager, Ian Herring. Hello, Ian. Hi, Tom. Hi, Rob. Hello. Uh, glad, great to have you here, Ian. Um, I know, obviously, a bit of a difficult time. Um, not only, uh, not only on the pitch, I think, but uh, but obviously with everything that's going on as well. So, uh, thank you for taking the time out to talk to us. Have you have you been busy today? Um, yeah, I'm still working, so uh, no problem at all. I'm still at work. Um, my day job. Um, frustrated not being able to do football. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like uh, yeah, so it sounds like 99% of the population for the time being sadly. Yeah. Um Ian, just I want to start off um the obvious place to start. Your uh, your new video um uh I want to say your new you, your new videos that you've been posting. Um they're absolutely excellent. Uh, I really love listening to them. It's a shame it's been cut short effectively. Um what made you decide to start those? Um, no, thank you. I've had some good feedback from them. Um, it, it's something that I, I sort of thought of around Christmas time, um, partly because um, we we sort of lack volunteers at Hungerford, etc. And, and there's not a great deal of content on the website and on our social media page. So I, I sort of part that was part of the reason. So the supporters get a bit of an insight, but also um another part of the reason is I'm, I'm pretty sure no manager has ever done that and i try to break the mold with certain things especially with with what i do in a coaching capacity um so with that people can have a little insight of what it's like at non-league level and and i hope to develop it in future and have some chats with with other players um supporters but also opposition players as well and sort of kind of get other people's stories and insights into 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 what they do as well so um so yeah that's kind of the the idea behind it and and to offer essentially our support as well other non-league supporters as well so a little yeah. bit of insight you uh, you picked a great great game to start it a great day to start it so <laughs> the, one on, the one on your doorstep uh and then obviously off you go to slough and uh I have to say, when I was watching your video, the way I'd seen the tweets come through was that it had been a 2-0 defeat. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll tell you what, that's great that he's, he's still out there. He started it. He's out there. He's still on the, he's on the pitch talking to carrying it through, even after a 2-0 defeat. And then I'm listening to it, and obviously the boys come over and, uh, and, and kind of bundle you a little bit. And I'm thinking, oh, have I got this right? <laughs> but what a, what a day to start it. That, um, that game must have been something special. Yeah, it was. Um, obviously, the the sort of the build up to the day was extremely difficult. Um, it's no secret that we've got the we've got the sort of financial problems again before the the situation, the global situation. So, so in the run up to it, with the players being told they're not going to be paid and stuff stuff like that, it was kind of sprung upon us. 
So I don't, we had a we had a chat with the chairman in the week, but then on Thursday the lads sort of come together. Me and my wife cook for them, and um, and there was a real positive atmosphere, and it was it was very similar to to sort of the position we were in last season. Um, so I just. I'm very, you, you touched on there, what you thought we'd lost and I continued with the videos. Um, that's why I've done it at Bath as well, because I'm, I'm a person, win or lose, I think I try and remain on an even keel and you meet a lot of managers and people before the game. It's, oh yeah, I'll see you in the bar afterwards for a drink. Yeah. And you don't see them if you win, but if you, if we get beat, then, then they best friend type of thing. So, um, so, but I try and remain on an even keel um whether we win or lose but fortunately the the morning i've started it we've gone to we've gone to slough and thoroughly deserved thoroughly deserved the win and and it was good to it was good that the lads coming together um because i believe in my ability i believe in those players and i think people underestimate how hard it is to put a team together from scratch which is what we've pretty much done again and those players are, are not just with the slough game in the in the run up to that the games before they were proving how good they are and and yeah fortunately the day we started the videos it all went well <laughs> This break seems to have come at a, a bad time for you. You were uh, gathering a, a nice bit of form um, uh, going into the end of the season there. You, I think you're right, right in saying you've won three and drawn one of your last seven. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We we, uh, we had a little... We lost to Bath in the last game, but um, we've been on a good run before. All that we drew away from home at Tunbridge and beat Braintree, then then had the away win at Slough. So it's kind of it, it was funny, really. I thought the lads were doing really well, then we got got pumped seven one at Hampton away. And I think since then, since then, it's, it's the lads have sort of had utmost belief in their in their own ability and and their set and each other as well. Um, and like I said, it, it takes time, and we've got the likes of. George Smith, who was playing for Kimbury last year, five levels below, and now he's he's a regular regular player. We've got other players that haven't played at this level as well, and and it takes time. It takes time for them to sort of have the belief in them in themselves. I'll always believe in them, but it takes time for them to to trust that belief, if that makes sense. So yeah, the the, the sort of the breaks come at a bit of a bad time, but but there is more to life than football, isn't there? Oh, very much so, yeah. Um, Ian, you you obviously have to go kind of looking looking around the lower leagues for for players. How, how, is it is it you that's doing that? Do you ever do you have a couple of guys around you, a couple of guys or girls around you going and looking, or is it is it something that you do yourself? I try to get out and look where I can, but I've, I've got. I'll be honest in the sense of I take a, I've, I've built a lot of relationships and and make a lot of phone calls and essentially I'm in a position where where I take a lot of chances on people and I'm a firm believer in in people people deserve opportunities in life and I'll give I'll give anyone and everyone an opportunity if they, if I, if I feel they deserve it and it's up to them whether they take that if that makes sense this the the break has come at a, 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 a sort of a bit of a disappointing time because I was in the process of sort of bringing two scouts in to help with that with a view to next year the budget kept getting cut even yeah. further. I'm really really going to have to look for some rough diamonds, um, which we've done previously, and I know I can do again. Um, but yeah, so we're I'm looking to looking to increase the, the team, but unfortunately that that's something that that 
is we can't pay at Hungerford, so yeah. it's going to be people that, that want that experience. And, and at step two, it, it'd be good for them. And, and if we can get a few players out of it, that, that we can develop and progress and do well for us, essentially, but then progress higher up the pyramid as well, then brilliant. Um, Ian, I forgot to say just before, just uh, this little bit of admin, I forgot to say, uh, as we're on the video call, the idea the, the idea behind doing a video call was that Rob and I will just pop our fingers up at, at each time so that between us, we know who's <laughs> going to ask a question. Uh, we're, yeah, still, we're still, we're still trialling this as a thing. So Rob had his, Rob had his finger up there. Yeah, it was a signal to Tom there. So uh, yeah, <laughs> nothing directed at you at all. But uh, yeah, there was a couple of things there that you said that were really interesting. First, well, how many... Um, how big is the team you've got around you at the moment? Uh, and then also, you're talking about the ambition of uh, playing uh, step two and or step two and beyond. Um, is that the ambition of the club? And how do you see um, Hungerford going about achieving that in the next few seasons? Um, so the team around me, obviously, with Hungerford, our finances are limited. So I've got a very small team around me, and it's just myself, um, Ian Hobbs, assistant manager, doubles up as a goalie coach as well. Um, and then we've got Jan Klikowski, player coach, and then Robin, who's um, our physio, and the two our two kit men, Sid and Budgie, are volunteers. Um, so that's that's all that's all of my team. Um, essentially, and it's quite funny when you come up against against other teams in this level, and they sort of got nine, ten, eleven members of staff. I think Weymouth, Weymouth are the ones, and and they've got about thirteen members of staff, analysts, and everything. So wow. it's something that, that that we sort of aspire to do. But when it comes to GPS vests and the data and clipping all that up, that's something that I take I do in my own personal time as well. So. There's there's a lot of time that I put in, but also with the help of with Hobbo and um, Jan as well. But but yeah, step two, um, difficult question. How do we how do we sort of can we progress higher? Not at this moment in time, I don't think. Have I got a long term plan, which I believe that 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 I can possibly get get Hungerford up towards the top half and 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 beyond? Yes. Um, but with with the budget cuts, that's going to make it even more difficult. But I mm. think I think if you can if you can treat people right, essentially, um, I think everyone that knows me knows I'm an open and honest person. And if you can treat people right and 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 get them playing for you, if that makes sense, and you can't fake that, I don't think. If you can get a group that wants to play for you and you can keep a group season on season and slowly add to it which is what I was wanting to do we had seven stay last year and I wanted to sort of hope to keep 10 to 12 and gradually build because fortunately I'm at a club where I, I sort of got that time if that makes sense mm. um, that, that's how I planned on going about it sort of gradually but um, but sometimes things come along and, and your plans get scuppered so which 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 looks like that might be the case there's obviously um, with Hungerford, and and I know you you you've been you've been, you were a player at Hungerford for a couple of years. So I haven't got the I haven't got the dates in front of me, but you were you were a player there for a couple of years, and obviously Hungerford rose pretty rapidly. Um, there's obviously a point where the club needs to stabilise somehow because it, because at certain points you're pushing a, you're you're punching above your weight. I don't think that's unfair 
unfair to say. Um, certainly, with no. you know the size of Hung- the size of Hungerford as a town itself, as a as a place where people live. Um, I, if I'm not, if I if I remember rightly, it's probably one of the smallest populations with a club at step two. Six thousand, I think. Six yeah, seven thousand, something like that. It's, so it's 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 incredible. It's a really small kind of catchment area. Now that's not to say that that people don't travel to watch National League South football, but. At the same time, obviously, yeah, it's a you've got quite a small catchment area, and Hungerford as a as a team has has risen rapidly. So, is it? Do you think it's a case of um, it might be sort of a bit up and down for a couple of years? It's it's obviously a case of trying to find a, a situation where the club is stable and viable, both on and off the pitch. Oh, it's a difficult question, and I could I could sort of spend hours <laughs> talking about it in the sense of in the sense of yeah, I'd. I'd I first signed for Hungerford way back in about 2013, I think, and um, and there's a lot of people that put a lot of hard work, time, effort, and finances into the football club. Now a lot of that was essentially into players on the pitch. Now I'm not saying people didn't do good work off the pitch, but a lot of finances and expenditure was put into the into players on the pitch, which which is great and and it, it paid my wages and and helped us be successful and and rapidly climb the leagues. Um, I think we kind of as a town, as people, etc., as as people at the club, I think we kind of missed a trick to try and to try and sort of tag on to that and get more people in through the turnstiles then if that makes sense but hindsight's easy isn't it and it's easy (laughs) to look back but um and now we 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 are where we are now but unfortunately it's it's down to the time and and people um to 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 do the hard work of of getting more people through the gate i've had numerous discussions with the chairman in the sense of how can we go about it i think it's, it's not rocket science if you're struggling for money you've got to lower your expenditure what do we spend most of our money on players so you've got to cut your budget or you increase your revenue and and what have we got at Hungerford where we can really realistically pull in a lot of money we don't get the people through the gates at the moment so we've only got sort of the members bar which unfortunately isn't utilized as well as it could be so the academy is even though it's under the Hungerford town banner it's not really it's sort of outsourced subcontracted out if you like so that's not really that's not doesn't we don't really get a financial gain from that um but then also it's the pitch the the i want to stay off the pitch as much much as possible so is this good enough for the brand of football that i want to play but so then i think do you go to a 4g pitch i think you have to in in non-league clubs in this day and age for that, for that sort of not only the revenue stream, but to make it a hub, a community hub. Um, and as soon as you've got that community hub that way, again, it comes down to a lot of hard work, finances, but also volunteers. That that if we can get round and hit the schools, etc., and stuff like that, I believe you can raise um, raise gates. Because I've always said, yes, we only get average, I think, two hundred and fifty people which is small. Yes, the town's only got 6,000 people, and I hear all the time, oh, you'll never raise the gates. I think it's a bit not bit of, bit of nonsense, that, in the sense of what's 250 or 6,000, about 2%. So 2% of yeah. Hungerford come and watch us play football, um, which, which isn't big. And you go up the high street, nothing to say where Hungerford is. 
not a lot of people know there's a football club in Hungerford. But again, it's all very good having sort of ideas and what we can do. Um, but but it's, it's having the people around the club to be able to actively go out and do that. And that is obviously why we're still trying to, to yeah. trying to keep a football team at steps too. So it, it's a juggling act that is very hard. Um, Ian, let's, let's, uh, oh, sorry, Rob, go on. Oh no! After you, Tom. Um, Rob, uh, sorry, uh, Ian. I was just going to take it back to your your playing career a little bit because obviously, um, it, you know, you, you you played for a number of clubs. Talk, talk us through talk us through your playing career a little bit. I'd like I'd like to know a little bit more about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. I did play for a number of clubs, which is funny because I tend to think of myself as a loyal person, but I've found myself in various situations and been at three clubs that have struggled financially. So initially I was at Swindon. I signed for Swindon when I was a kid at 10. When I left school, I got released by Swindon, went on trial to Reading and Portsmouth. Swindon found out and offered me a scholarship. So I signed back for Swindon. Then 18, I got released again, went on loan to um, Salisbury for a month and Chippenham. Um, then got called back, played in the first team, made my debut, played a few games in the first team, then got offered a pro. So even though it was the second <laughs> time I'd been released, I signed back, which is kind of the story I use with the players now to sort of essentially never give up. So, But I was released from Swindon, I think, around Christmas time. And because I've been at Chippenham before and I just wanted to play football and I thought play for Chippenham and sort of try and climb the ladder again it didn't kind of work out that way so I was there for three months then I signed for Salisbury um, in the conference national is there the money man pulled out so I had to leave the club um, went to Northwich for a year lived up north come back down south signed for Forest Green then Eastleigh and then found myself at Hungerford and I had a spell at Sirencester for a year in between as well <laughs> was it, um, obviously, when when you became manager, how did where, what, did who approach you? Because I know it was Bobby Wilkinson left. But it was a little bit of a surprise, I think. Maybe not, maybe not to people in the club, but certainly outside of the club, it seemed a bit of a, a surprise when Bobby left. Was it automatic that you were going to kind of step into that role? No, no, no. It, it was um, it was a surprise to the players as well. Um, it was done at half time, well in a way. Um, so then, then as a group of players, we was, we were shocked. Um, and Nigel Warwick was the chairman at the time, and and sort of management was always something that I I thought I wanted to do. Um, and I think I was what thirty two at the time, and I felt I still had quite a few a few years left in me playing. So. And I anticipated a new manager coming in, but I, I sort of spoke to Nigel Warwick and messaged him and said, if you need anyone to steady the ship for a couple of weeks while, until you find the right person, then I'll, I'll happily do do anything I can to help you. And John Boardman done the same. So with that, um, Nigel put us both in temporary charge and um, then, then give us the role as joint managers. Yep. Um, sort of... Uh, to go away from that a little bit uh, for a moment, you've met, we mentioned a few times about the break now that's happening and uh, how uh, the whole routine has uh, sort of changed for uh, people like you and everyone else at the, uh, connected to the club. Is there anything like, could you give us an insight into how that um, 
routine has changed for you and the players and in terms of anything training and day-to-day at the club and also have you had any conversations with uh the national league as in terms of where you go from here uh, uh, that you can actually share with the with us on the pod today conversations with the national league no i've had none. <laughs> um whether the club have i don't I don't think so. Um, not that I'm aware of, even though I've seen something today where the National League has spoken to all the clubs. Um, little old Hungerford don't tend to get involved in those uh, right. conversations, which is very frustrating. Um, so no, that's a, that's the a short answer to that. But but no, it's a, it was a funny situation in the sense of all, all football was sort of cancelled except um, except the National League, which the National League got a lot of flat. <laughs> got a lot of flack for and um i think unfairly so considering they were trying to they were just following the government guidelines so so essentially there's a lot of people that sort of say player player people's health and welfare is first and foremost anyone that knows me that's how i am um and that's how i manage but but that was sort of thrown about a lot when the national league continued on that saturday so to go back to your question the sort of the sort of then routine changing from then it was kind of very surreal on it that we got the feeling that that was going to be the last game so the players were happy to play so we just i said to the players you got to play like if you play like it's your last game which you should do anyway but also we're going to have to live day by day um, which they were doing anyway. Um, with the players hadn't been paid, so we we were living day by day, and we didn't know what may be happening with the football club and, and with with their sales, for instance. So um, then then we fast forward, and, and the league did get cancelled, and, and it was difficult. I'm, I'm sure every manager has been on the phone to all their contacts, sort of, well, what are you doing with the players? What what are you doing? Type thing. And I'm Denard, should I get them in training still and keep them far, a few metres apart? But you can't. You've, you've got to listen to the advice. So essentially, we, we've put a lot of trust and responsibility into the lads to, to individually keep up keep up their fitness and, and just live day by day and, and be ready whenever the next game may be. Cheers, Ian. Um, I, d- I just wanted to uh, just uh, on your on your managerial career just to just to sort of wrap things off, um, sort to round things up. Um, kind of a couple of quick questions, uh, managerial wise. Best moment so far in the dugout. Um, the last game of the season last year, closely followed by the season before, um, <laughs> <laughs> which which is funny, sort of avoiding relegation on on the last day of the season, um, but. Like I say, I think people underestimate what a task it is putting putting a new team together, and and especially sort of last season the the run we went on. I think from January to the end of the season we were eighth in the form guide, um, and bank holiday weekend we drew with Bath nil nil at home, then went to Torquay away yeah. and won one nil, which set up the 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 sort of opportunity. To, to play Sparrow at home, and then we were we were losing, and Noah Chesmain scored scored a great goal in the last minute, and and that was a moment we knew we were safe, kind of thing. So so yeah, that that for me, um, that was that's that's the best day, as well as as well as my best achievement. Rob, anything you just wanted to uh, round off with? No, I think that's a pretty positive <laughs> note to be uh, ending on. So yeah. 
Ian, a very uh, nice achievement as well. We do we do have a question. We've just started asking uh, everybody everybody that's been on the podcast. The last three people that have been on um, box set you'd recommend to anybody that's uh, isolating themselves at home. What are you watching? Box set. Oh, I've just started Spooks. Yeah, well, me too. Uh, me too. The start. Yeah, yeah. After listening to the radio, uh, Peaky Blinders, obviously. <laughs> uh, but if, if no one's seen it, um, Sopranos. Okay, that's one of the best out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Fully in agreement there. <laughs> um, thank you, Ian. Ian Herring. Thank you very much for uh, for coming on to our podcast. Um, much, much appreciated, and hopefully the season will get going uh, sooner rather than later, and you guys can go and uh, you can go and beat beat your way out of the relegation zone once again, uh, as I'm sure we all are hoping that you're able to do. Um, absolutely brilliant having you on. Uh, if anybody uh, would like to go and listen to the rest of the podcast, they're all up on our on uh, all good podcast apps. That's Berkshire Football Stories. Uh, please give us a look out on Twitter as well, at FI Berkshire. Uh, it just leaves for me to say, um, for us all just to say goodbye. So, one, two, bye. three. Bye. Bye. bye.